one likes music. That's true. I'm a music lover first and a DJ second. That's a very serious DJ quote. But I also think Twitter bio. I don't think people ever liked music. I used to love music, but I definitely don't like it now. No, like you love music. You actually do. It's just that most music is bad. But also, most music has always been bad. It's just that I've thought about it a lot. Like, you know, the internet has a lot to do with it because of like access and, Mm -hmm. you know, you can find out things and things are copied quicker than ever. Because like even, you know, I love the 70s and 80s in terms of like the musical output that was made then. But like there was a lot of terrible music in the 70s and 80s. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah, but like some of the best music is made there, arguably the best music, depending on who you're talking to. But at the same time, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fucking garbage, yo. There's a lot of garbage. Yeah, no, of course. And you would know from being, spending time at the thing and you see all of those (laughs) singles and you're like, oh my God, why was this ever made? Yeah. I mean, that really, I used to say when I worked there, like everyone who thinks that they should make tracks or DJ should just come there. And then it's like, okay, especially like make, especially making anything like you should just come to the thing and dig for a few hours and be like, oh, that was already made terribly 25 years ago. I shouldn't do this again. Also just to stare at the inevitable fate of your trash records. Oh yeah. It's, it's that, it's, it's like that, uh, I hate to be this guy, but it's, it's like that, um, I don't remember which one, but it's like that scene in one of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy books where like. It's like, oh, like this is the thing that shows you your place in the universe. And it like breaks your brain because it shows you that you're nothing. Right. Um, and it's just like, yeah, like the the record you put out in the grand scheme of things. It's 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 it's, it's thing garbage. It's one of <laughs> it's barely a blip in the Yeah. In the We use it as a frisbee. Yeah, it, yeah. it will be it will be covered in rat feces and with any luck, human feces. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely happened. Caked in asbestos and uh, eventually, yeah, thrown uh, against the wall. Although it's the one of the only, one of the few things, I think I can count on my hand the number of things I miss about New York, and the thing is definitely one of them. <laughs> what are the say. others? Family and friends. Can I put that in like one? Or does it yeah, you can one? combine them, yeah. <laughs> so you, can, you, can, you can lump that, that in with the thing too. <laughs> the thing, family and friends. What else do I miss about? I miss the beach because, like, now I live like on the Great Lakes as opposed to like. It's the not a beach. That's for just a a, beach. for just a little context for our, our, our listeners, like you lived in New York for. Well, I grew up in Jersey, so I was born and raised in New Jersey, uh, Teaneck, like fifteen minutes. You can get there in like fifteen minutes from where we are now. Twenty yeah. minutes with no traffic. Um, then I was in New York for seven years, and now I'm in Detroit. And yeah, so I lived my whole life in the in the on the in, East Coast, yeah. like. Tri-state area. On either side of the Hudson River. Yeah. More or less. And you moved what, a year ago? Yeah, February 2018. Oh, so, so a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Are you lonely there? Are you, are you hinting at that? Mm, no. I mean, it's just different. You know, it's change, change. Like, it's a big change as someone who thought that they were never going to leave this area growing up mm-hmm. to, like, be like okay i'm here somewhere different and i probably want to stay here and i have no desire to go back to where i was and like to have that chain like you know i'm Just 29 now that. yeah yeah so like it's it was like, like 29 years of like or 28 years of like i'm gonna live new york for the rest of my life and then like mm-hmm. in the 28th year you're like you know what never mind and you don't feel that desire to come back here at all no 
None. The funny thing is like, I mean, because so much of Detroit people are like, because at the same time of you moving there, people are like, oh, wow, like Detroit's being revitalized. And to me, it seems like a really weird revitalization. I mean, what's your read having been there like full time for a couple of years? Well, that Dan Gilbert dude like owns all of downtown. Right. It's like Ro- RoboCop on steroids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, downtown's corny now. Um, I guess it's safe from what I understand. I mean, sounds like it was rough. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, gentrification's a tricky thing in general. Uh, I don't know. I still don't have, I don't think, I don't know enough to like totally talk about it, but yeah, I mean, Detroit, they like talk about like people there are like scared of gentrification and like they see what's happened to downtown and things like that. But it's so much open being in the Midwest and like being around there, like really opens your eyes from living on the East coast, specifically the East coast your whole life, because it's just a very different game and just your access to things and education and infrastructure is very different than what's happening in the Midwest. I think there's a really different relationship just to like physical space in the Midwest. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cities are physically just bigger. They're more spread out. They're less compact, um, which, you know, it changes, you know, in, in having lived in New York now for 15 years, like, you do start conceiving a space really just on a grid. Like you, there are there yeah. are only you know uh, like uh, what's the word for for, for compass directions? Uh, yeah, four cardinal. Car- you can you, you can only move in cardinal oh, yeah. directions. You can go yeah, up, yeah. down, left, right, or you know whatever. Um, uh, the Metro Detroit area is also kind of grid like. It's like there's an epicenter, and then it sort of grids out in a like. Yeah, but it's nothing like a grid like New York City That's is true. a grid or like what I consider the city. And just even like, you know, I've always thought. But it's you like know, flat, you know? Yeah, but. If you're in a city like L.A. or San Francisco, everything's like crazy, like winding, confusing and true. hilly and lots of different. I don't know. Well, who cares? Yeah. But you know what I mean? <clears throat> I, I was just trying to say like. It's a, it's still grid like in some ways, but it's I mean, just yeah, a different, any, it's a freeway grid. Any planned city in the Western Hemisphere is more or less grid like in some extent. But like yeah. just the extremes that New York is built like strictly along these lines and I guess in the way Detroit was like supposed to be built along these lines, and then it's just like, Well, never mind, shit's fucked up. So Yeah, like fuck Detroit it. like maybe like many years ago like would have been in that grid but like it's still technically along that grid but yeah. there's like these like pockets of like well in this pocket like people are there yeah in this other pocket like no one's there right. and kind of everything's just kind of gone and then so it's kind of like it's a grid but also like with these like larger like zones of you know people living there and people just kind of not being there having just yeah because it's really like in some areas like if you don't have a car you're not leaving that neighborhood right you know what i'm saying like there's no easy public transportation yeah like ever like there's like you know 
walk to the corner and get a bus. Like it's not happening. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. something you lose almost everywhere in the states. Yeah, outside exactly. Of New York, and I mean, you can you can sort of swing it in a few cities, but pretty much like yeah, public transportation in the states is trash. Yeah. Yeah. But wait, wasn't there five things I miss? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally got off about that. So you missed the subways, yeah? <laughs> no, actually, I hated the most. Oh my god, getting here! It took you. It took you very quick to get here. It was like god. easy. And I mean, this is some. This is someone who used to do who like for, I guess like five years. Like when I was, I would have to take the A, like and go to like Williamsburg or, or like figure out getting to Williamsburg or Bushwick because I was working at my grandfather's club, like on one twenty fifth. And I worked there from the ages of like 15 until like 25, 26. So those years were like people, like I first met everybody when I was 21 and I first started going out. I was still, I want that, at some point I was still living in Jersey. So it was a lot of like going to Jersey, going to work. And work was, work was every Sunday morning I had to be there at nine o'clock and every Monday night. I was there and then sometimes it would be friday and saturday nights and sometimes saturday mornings as well so i was like partying doing that getting on like being on the a for hours yeah so i'm used to it but like i feel that i mean I, when i was like 25 or 26 i started having a car in the city and i stopped taking the subway more and more and like now that i've moved out i don't you know I don't take it, and every time I come and take it now, it's just the fucking worst. It's so bad, yo. It's really bad. It's getting, like, it's, and it's not just not being around it. It's just, like, it is, I've seen it for, you know, th- almost 30 years now, and, like, talking to my mom, and, like, oh, yeah, they were building the second avenue when I was a kid, and it's like, yo, what is going on, yo? It's like if motherfuckers are just like, you know what? I'm not taking the subway tomorrow. Fuck this, this shit, like. How would you get anywhere? I mean, Exactly. No, I'm talking about the strike. Like, yo, fuck this. Make this shit work. We're gonna, we're gonna boycott, boycott the subways. Yeah, because everything would fucking stop. If we're, if we're going there, then let's just call for a general strike. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down. Yeah, that, yeah. That, put, that, put it that in there. A little more effective to me. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the podcast's <laughs> general <laughs> view. Is yeah, that, you know, that's right. Base campaign calling for a general strike right now. Don't go to work tomorrow or the next day or ever again. Yeah, yeah or whenever basically. it makes sense. You know, just. <laughs> If it feels right, I strike. I definitely, I definitely don't believe that people have to work. Like I don't believe in work in the way that America, you know, puts it on us. I definitely don't think black people should have to work work ethic. Yeah, yeah. ever again. (laughs) And then like you know, and there definitely should be like a national guillotine day. That should be like one of the holidays. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, national like fuck the Fourth of July. Let's have national guillotine day once a year. Let them eat cake, all that the, the, good the stuff. The richest man in America goes to the guillotine every year, once not a year. Not even. I mean, I'm pretty... <laughs> you can when I talk that. about the guillotine, I'm, you know... you can. We can talk. You know, I'm open to stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not like... It's not like dictatorships or anything. <laughs> not absolutes. You know, there has... It's a been, democracy. And, you know, if, you know, most people... I don't are, believe in democracy anymore, but we should definitely talk about stuff. I've... I'm, at least in my opinion, because I thought about it a lot, is that I don't think democracy is possible unless you have a form of extreme socialism or communism in the first place. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because, because people are too stupid. Like, I don't believe in democracy because right now, I don't think half these motherfuckers should be allowed to vote. Like, for real. Like, after interacting with people for 30 years, like, no, a lot of motherfuckers should not be allowed to vote. Like, for real. Like, it's not, yeah, like, yeah. not based on, like, race, gender, yeah, age. Yeah. Like, just some motherfuckers should not be able to vote that right. are be able to vote. And, like, it's fucking shit up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you can't, if, if, unless, like, everyone is kind of, structurally like thrown into an equal space then yeah i mean that's kind of like the precursor to actually having a conversation um anything before that like all of the sort of hierarchical positions like stay there so you have kind of all of the i don't know petty bourgeois being like yeah expressing all their I don't know. It's kind of everyone, yo. Like, as someone who was raised with like really left leaning, in some respects, like circles. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's all so fucked. And then, like, I got to see growing up like a group with a lot of rich people, and like, just like got to see like their families and like how they operate and like on like the right mm. side of things. And I'm just like, like, this is all fucked. Like, everyone's fucked. Like, this yeah, is yeah. The whole thing, like, like Democrats, Republicans, like everyone. It's too fucked to for the way we're going to think that anything is going to change in the in its current form. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, Gui- I, I guillotine hinge, day. I hinge very modest hopes on on Bernie and a Green New Deal to maybe that shit ain't gonna happen, bro. No, it's not gonna happen. That's why I said modest hopes. Barring that, it's 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 full on climate apocalypse, like you know, twenty years. So that's that's oh, cool too. Man, I can't wait for Trump twenty twenty. It's going to be so tight. <laughs> it's going to be so. You heard it here first. You thought Game of Thrones was cool. Treasy. Have you seen his new hairdo? <laughs> he has a new hairdo. I actually like don't pay attention to him at all, and like the neither media in neither do I. But I but I found out. I saw a joke that he was styled by Bannon. Oh, he's got he's got very Bannon energy now because he like <laughs> slicked his hair back. Yeah, and he looks like very different and like now. wearing like a black blade, like what does Bannon boxy do now? blazer. <laughs> he got shut out of the Trump administration. Oh, uh, but he got he he got axed, and then he's been barely a footnote since. But he's still clinging. I think he's doing shit in the background, you know. Yeah, he's I still think. clinging. I think he's doing like real hardcore right wing shit. And I'm pretty sure he was like helping out some of those right wing parties in Europe. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, trying. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's so, you know like, trying to do like some Victor Orban shit and. want to make any like sort of broad statements here but i mean yeah generally like i mean the u.s has its faults but i feel like the sort of general level of you know uh like in europe that's something where mills can get into trouble for doing his thing because I mean, they're dance kind of music expecting is jock music in Europe. That's yeah, what da- it is. Yeah. yeah, you said it better than I. Yeah, it was a bunch of shirtless. It was a bunch of shirtless 
bros like, oi, oi, play the bells or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. And once the bells was over, the bells. They don't even want to hear the bells. They don't. They don't know that song. They're just not. They want to. They're on fourteen hits of ecstasy. They want to hear the bells and half a bottle of vodka. And they want and they want their condoms and that's <laughs> everyone wants to hear the bells, yeah, at all, at all times. Hate on that, on no, that, like, but, but there's something about the the states where you know, like the people going out to see Mills. Okay, there might be you know, but generally the sort of musical expectations are a bit more. I don't know, higher, a bit more. I mean, I mean, I guess it goes back to. We just have to work harder for shit, and shit isn't like given or is like as accessible to right. us. Because like I see, like when I go, like my friends that I've made in Europe, and like every year I go back, they're like, "Oh yeah, just got another loan from the government, maybe opening up this new restaurant." <laughs> right, and I'm just right. like, "The fuck, man!" Like yeah, I don't yeah. have healthcare, and like, right. like I, I might like, die next yeah. year. I don't know. So <laughs> like, this is one of I haven't those been things. to the doctor in years. Like, oh yeah, just opened my second business. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to my cool government. Yeah. <laughs> it's really great. This is one of those things pay, though, because- They pay motherfuckers to go to college. They pay them. I know. It's crazy. But like some, someone like Mills, I mean, this is the thing that people like Mills, they do this thing every now and again that bugs the shit out of me where they're like, oh, I did a thing with a orchestra. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And like I made techno, but it's classical. And isn't that good? And it- Carl Craig, yeah. Carl Craig just did it. They and, all do it. That Seek, shit. Seeking legitimacy not just through like institutions, yeah. but also through white, the decidedly white institutions. No, exactly because it's I really mean, a craven move. The music from, they're like, making radical, is radical black music. Exactly, the music they're making is from a completely different musical tradition, but they're trying to paint paint it in. Yeah. I mean, I have spent time in academia and academic music, and it's yeah, it horrifyingly whitewashed. You know, where anything that has anything to do with Dancing is lesser. Um, anything that comes from a rhythmic background is, you know, cast as. That's uh, just insane to me because you're like completely leaving out like a major chunk of like. Yes. Like everything and everything, especially that's modern and current too. Well, of course. It's just. But that that's makes what. Me so mad. No, I mean it's 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 frustrating and enraging as hell, but I mean that's what it is, you know, it's kind of, you know, the the tradition of uh, you know, uh the tradi- you know, it it calls everything back to well, if it doesn't fit in a tradition that stems from Bach, then it's not, you know. Uh, right. Well, I think yeah, I think like, like like modern classical, neoclassical, what whatever is, is certainly like super rooted in that. But I think like like obviously like like even within academia, there are lots of strains of music that are more accepting of, you know, kind of, uh, you know, well, for one, non, non-Western non scales and non, non-Western senses of melody, as well as, like, appreciating, like, um, you know, music driven by rhythm rather than, than, than melody as well. There are some, but I would not um, <clears throat> cast too large of a, too wide of a net because... Um, I mean, it's still a very closed off. Yeah, well, like, like you know, what I was gonna say is that, like, like even even given like you know certain sectors of of academic music's embrace of uh, kind of non-white musical traditions, it's still a fundamentally white institution. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, I do like the fact that Mills, 
Like, I hate the fact that he will, like, paint it in that, in like, w- with those brushes and be like, okay, I'm going to do the, the bells, but with, uh, you know, with a small orchestra. Right. And isn't that great? Mm-hmm. However, he also, like, is some fucking, <clears throat> like, got some metal from the French government. Which is tight. So he's he's doing good. And that's is he like cool. a knight? He, yeah, no, I'm basically... He has like, like a, a French knight, right? Like a Légion d'honneur yeah, or something. a French knight. That's I mean, pretty, he's got some tight. like... I mean, more than really anyone. Yeah, he's Isn't got... Isn't Goldie also a knight? Goldie's a knight. might be. No, Goldie got knighted. How, I mean, how tight is that? Goldie, so that's a, Sir Goldie? So you're good. That's a good knight name. Sir Goldie? I can't... You With, know, I, he had the grill on and everything. It was. I saw oh, the picture. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. so tight. So I can't hate on that because like <laughs> you... You got it, you know, like. Well, I think that's just it's just like a larger societal problem yeah. than like specifically in dance music. It's just like <clears throat> Western culture, and less like you know, of course, and that just basically means like white stuff is better. So if it's like the whiter it is, or the more it appeals to white people in mass, the better it is. Right. Just at a very base level, and like you get caught up in that, and especially. Especially for the a lot of like the originators of house and techno, where like, you know, you got to think about the time period where they were making this shit, and like the state of Black America during that time, and it's like, well, I'm just gonna go to Europe and get paid instead, and like, like you know, and like the people, like you know, the people that they surround themselves with in Europe are like yes men and people who just yeah. like want to please them and like either make money off them or just be around them because they think shit's cool. So it's just it gives it really gives you a different view on life, especially if like that started when you were twenty and you're now like in your mid fifties. Well, yeah, and obviously there's a long tradition of like Black American avant garde musicians seeking validation and material sustenance in Europe and finding it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so it's one of those things that it sucks, but I can't hate on it. it you know, yeah. it's like better they didn't die in total obscurity in America. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a foot wine. Is it actually like made with feet? Is that what the thing is? I mean, but it's got a big old. All right, I'm definitely going to eat whatever this weed edible is that we found on the ground at the end of the party. <laughs> oh, all right. So this is the this is the this yeah. is the ground report section of the of the show. This is where the podcast gets weird. We, uh, you know, it's about that what time. did we find on the ground today? You know, we still haven't named the five things that I miss. Oh, yeah. All right, so that was number one. Uh, Number two, what do you miss, Taj? Wait, what was number one? Hold on. Friends and family. Paul Well, the the thing was was number one. Before friends and family, you said you missed the thing. The thing, friends and family. That was was all folded in number one. Here's here's number number three. Number three is I miss fountain soda. Fountain soda outside of New York and New Jersey area is terrible. Or maybe it's an East Coast thing because I've been trying fountain soda across the Midwest mm-hmm. and it is fucking horrible. Side note, the best fountain soda I did have was in Flint. So <laughs> who knows why? But I just like, I, I like. Lead just tastes great. Like I just like, I try and like order a Coke. Like I don't even. It's kind of good because I haven't been ordering fountain sodas now, like I grew up doing, I guess, because it just tastes so bad. Yeah, there's some about the New York water or something that makes it taste good because, like, 
anytime I try a fountain soda, like Chicago, Ohio, Detroit, like anywhere in Michigan, I'm just like... These are going to be founding, fighting words because, you know... They're going to fire Those Detroit one. people are really... That fucking fountain soda is gross. Y'all need to fix that water, son. They've... Is I mean, it the, the, water's, water's, the water's or is good. it the the ratio of the soda maybe it's to the, this? Maybe to it's the, the syrup soda. to the carbonation. I don't yeah. know what they're doing, but something is not right. Not right. Well, you know, I mean, like it, it can't just. It's not just the water. You know, it, like this. This goes back to pizza. The Midwest can't do pizza. Eh, I disagree. Detroit pizza is Detroit still pizza, pizza is good. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's yeah. still yeah. pizza is good. Yeah. It's its own thing. It's okay. It's it's good. It's good. I but like it, I. I've had many, many excellent pies at Buddy's. The food in Detroit, um, very good. In general, yes. yes. But I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, yes. New York, New York, New Jersey style pizza is the best kind of pizza you can get in America, hands down. But that, I think it's the best pizza in the world, hands down. But, uh, but yeah, like, like, like fundamentally, this is something that should be like you can make this food anywhere. Mm -hmm. You don't need anything special. You don't need magic water. Hey, yeah. no, you need the special new york water okay you don't you have to cut it well, has also to come the through. same thing with bagels, with bagels like no why, no no why are the bagels so bad in the also in the midwest like people would be like there's this place called like brooklyn or new york bagel in detroit <laughs> it's like yeah. something there's stupid always a place. and there's they're always, always like yo go to new york bagel and they brought that shit back to me like this is gross yeah, don't yeah, ever yeah. bring this to me no, again yeah let's not sorry. Let, yeah let's let's Cut this part short. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless people really want to get into it. Although I do want to actually talk. Uh, we just brought a bit a bread machine, so I do want to start talking. Okay, all right. Oh, so don't use a bread machine, my okay, God! There we oh, go. God, okay. No, I, I I can send you let's hundreds let, of recipes. Yeah, hundreds let's, of no, formulas, let's get into it. It's good. Hundreds of formulas. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like like, what you need is what you need is a digital scale. Uh huh. Which may or may not be very easy to acquire, depending on your already got situation. one. <laughs> uh, if you have if you have a digital scale, then then all you need is is decent flour and decent water. And mm -hmm. you know, um, I'm a big advocate of, of wild yeast, but you can use commercial yeast to make an, a, a incredibly good bread very easily. If you're going to use commercial yeast in a serious fashion, I would suggest using various kinds of pre ferments, which is a different topic perhaps for another podcast <laughs> <laughs> um i don't want to go too deep into bigas and poolishes uh when we're supposed to be talking about uh techno in detroit <laughs> sub podcast which is only bread themed and pasta and wine it's big camp beta <laughs> yeah, that's when we go into the yeah yeah Okay, so all right. So number four, what? Wait, wait, what do we got? We got. We have friends and family. The thing. Thing. Bagels. Found soda. No, it's found soda. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Shitty Chinese food. Shitty Chinese. There's no shitty Chinese food. There much? is, but it's even shittier. Oh, okay. And I like don't. Shitty Chinese food. There's here like is a certain. I don't know. There's like a certain. There's something about like this area of like Chinese food that's like when like I was just like. Just like starting to travel across the U.S. more in like the last like five years or so in my life, and like you know, I grew up eating just like random ass Chinese spots, course, and like yeah, you can yeah. just like you know get chicken and broccoli, and you know it's gonna be you know yeah. yeah. Sometimes the chicken melts in your mouth and it's questionable, but like <laughs> it's, it's still good. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, still yeah. good. But like some of these places like that, I've been like like you just like somewhere in Ohio, and like you want to stop and get some Chinese food. Like oh, it boy. is not the move. It's I mean, not. you probably don't want to stop and get food anywhere in Ohio. So. <laughs> yeah. Don't 
but like even, like I was like it took me a while to find like a good Chinese spot in Detroit. Like I was like like there was the hood spots and I would try them and I was like this is actually like too disgusting. Like right. I don't <laughs> like this. Yeah, yeah. Like this is too gross. And like what's your favorite bad Chinese spot in New York? New York, I'd be more interested to hear what he says about uh, the good, bad Chinese in Detroit. Or yeah. So the, uh, I can't, I mean, I've moved. So there's this place in Bed-Stuy called Lucky House. It's on Lewis. I forget where. Like It's near like the Fulton Utica okay. stops over there. And they do this thing that's usually just like a D.C thing called mambo sauce where it's like i forget like what it's made of specifically but like you could just like put it on stuff and it's just like a american chinese from like dc thing but they actually like had it here and it's the only place that i've seen it in new york where they have it mambo sauce yeah this sounds really it's like purpley almost like a mop what is it like caribbean i don't know what the thing i've never heard of it like i've never seen it yeah, it's the only place I didn't know what it was. Like, they like I saw someone like get it once when I was living there, and I was like, "What is that?" And they gave it to me. I was like, "Yeah," and, like put it on the chicken every time. And then my homegirl, who's from DC, was like, "Oh shit, they got mambo sauce." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "Yeah, that's like a DC thing." And I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go." This is this for me is peak podcast. <laughs> this is new. Yeah, I don't know anything. Let's, let's about... go deep into yeah. these uh, these culinary yeah. wormholes. I, I I've never heard of mambo sauce. Yeah. I don't know how it's actually spelled either. So like everyone was like <laughs> speaking it. it was like because I think like everyone's sp- spoken like a different dialect in that right, area. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, you know, who knows? I, I looked it up once. It's easy to find actually. And then so yeah, I guess that's four like a uh, shitty Chinese food. Um. Oh wait, did you want to ask me about where I like in Detroit? Yeah, was yeah. What's, what's what's your Detroit spot? So there's this place in like near Wayne State. That's like Americanized Chinese food, but it's got good dim sum as well, or at least decent one. It's called uh, Shangri-La that we've been going to. And then there's outside of Detroit, if you go into the burbs a little bit, in uh, Madison Heights over there, there's a lot of Asian spots and like really good. Like, it's mostly like, like Vietnamese and Thai, right? Yeah, a lot of Vietnamese and Thai, but um, there's like starting to be uh, like, there's a few Szechuan joints that are pretty tight actually. Cool. <laughs> Should we talk about the music? What music? We had some songs that we were going to go over. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can talk about music. Well, we talked about Carl Craig. We didn't we, we talk did. about Carl Craig. We could have. We mentioned Carl Craig. We briefly mentioned Carl mentioned. Craig. We got to mention. Is Carl's, he still horny? Uh, he's been going off lately. Is he still horny? I haven't <sighs> been on Twitter. Yeah. He had a, some days it's like so cringeworthy that I'm just like, oh, Carl, why? But sometimes it just makes me laugh. <laughs> like we got it's it when fine. you were talking about fucking the music. Like we right, knew you right. weren't talking about fucking the music as a dude. Like we get it. That's what you, I don't know. That's the core of but it. It you doesn't know? <laughs> offend me. I don't know. Everyone's going to be offended by something. And people have got to get over some shit. It doesn't me. It doesn't like. Exactly. And then it's the same thing where like, it's just like everything's not like. Just because you're offended it's doesn't just, mean everyone can be. It's just a, a riff of someone like who 
It's just Carl Craig. Yeah. He's, like, have you seen the man? He wears cowboy hats in DJ's pools in Ibiza. Like, he's in, like you. Dude's been he's wearing in a, a different, scarf permanently. Yeah, he's, for the past he lives 10 in years. a different world than like most people. Like, but then you have to make an, a, a statement to draw attention to yourself. Yeah. It's and just like, like you know, I'm offended. Like, I wish people would just do that more often now. It's like, oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to fuck with it because there's like you have and that just choice. Don't say yeah. anything. Well, it, it is a little more complex than that because like what other people like and other people read. You can block it. And whatever. You can block it. You can block Carcross. Yeah, but like then you sort of have to like you go down an endless wormhole of like self like that's what, self but that's what it is. Curating like, and like sent like like self censorship. Yeah, but that's what the whole fucking program is. It's about seeing shit and likes and seeing what your friends like. So that's what a tech platform is. Yeah. Yes. So like if you, you yes. like to for the people to like complain about it, it's like, all right, don't look at that. Like don't look at that person and like don't interact with them. It doesn't make sense. Like you, you're getting so upset about nonsense. It's just I don't know. It's like it's the lot. whole game, you know. Yeah. It's like this stuff is. It's not. Oh, I didn't want to talk about social media, or uh, we didn't want to talk about social media, right? I didn't want to talk about. But social then we. Media. But we're talking about it more in the. We're talking about Carl Craig having sex with music here. Yeah. On <laughs> social media, which is yeah. important. This is important. You think we're gonna get in trouble for talking about Carl Craig having sex with? Music. No. I love saying the. Quoted. I love saying the whole thing. <laughs> you know. I don't think we're gonna get in trouble for talking about Carl Craig being just so horny for for music, for music, for techno. <laughs> just getting up in the guts. You know. <laughs> I mean, I just. Oof. What a time to be alive. Nineteen ninety nine. Should we talk about the time? Sure. Yes, we should. I really like song. the time. I've been playing them a lot more. I feel like I've I've been playing less Prince and more of the time. Wow. Yeah, I mean that seems why though. The time is more dance floor oriented. When it just comes down to it, just it's just more for like playing out, I guess. Because I mean, and even Prince, like at the time, it's like you could just like a few things of him saying that like. Or like people that were involved with it saying like all like his like R and B and like dance ideas like he gave to the time and like what his more like conceptual stuff and like purple rain and all that was like kept for him and like all the like weird shit he the was. The time is to sort do. of more unambiguously black, basically. Exactly. It was like just like keep when like, you know, there was still like the black charts and the white charts, like it was like, Okay, this is what I'm gonna do for the black charts and like Prince was trying to do his own thing so that he could be on 
all the, the rock charts. charts. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. pop, pop charts at, at the end of the day. I mean, he played up the, the biracial angle yeah. always through through his own stuff, mm-hmm. both kind of aesthetically and, and sonically. Yeah. I did just index a book on Prince, so. Mm. Yeah, no shade to the time. No shade to um, Prince, rather, but um, I always... Yeah, but I mean, there's something about the time that always like struck me when I was younger. Like I would hear Prince songs, and I'd be like, "Okay," and then like when I would hear the time, be like, "This is this sounds very similar to me, but I like this." Plus, I think also more like this is like way more immediate, whereas like Prince was just more like a bit. I don't know. I like the humor outside that's of, involved in the time as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's very, no there's not a lot of humor in Prince. His music. It's always very really? serious. Yeah. A lot of humor, I feel like. Mm, really? I feel like he's pretty serious most of the time. Where do you think like I can't think of a song where he's like trying to be funny? Who's hornier? Prince or Carl Craig? Right now, probably Carl because he's alive. <laughs> For obvious reasons. Prince is dead, so I don't think he's very horny. <laughs> so- <laughs> I'm still mad I didn't meet Prince. To be honest. I'm mad that I never got to see a Prince concert. Yeah. That's what I'm mad about. And meet him because he's an I mean, meeting is whatever, but. No, I really feel like we would have gotten along. (laughs) 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 I'm really pissed off. No, I was devastated. This is the world that Katie actually exists in. (laughs) (laughs) This is the psycho world that my mind operates in. But But, um, yeah. I I want to listen to the track, though. Yeah, let's pull up time. Um. Also, I like that. Like uh, when you look on like greatest villains list in movies, Morris stays on in there sometimes, and like that's, that's so tight. That is tight. And he, uh, incredible. and it's like I mean, and then sometimes the I'm time like, are an incredible band. And you then know? sometimes it's like, do I want to be the villain of dance music? Like, can I do that? Can I? Yes, like, you be do. Like, <laughs> That's it. Because I like a, there was that point where I was like really into MF Doom as well. So it's like that can like totally do, like, be a villain, and like in a humorous way like this. Because like mm-hmm. this shit is great. Yeah. Taj, what do you see as like? Because you mentioned Doom. What do you see as like the link here? I mean, Morris Day like as like the sort of I don't know. Like a character, yeah, like the bad guy character of music, like linked up with sort of thematically somewhere with Doom. Like, do you want to like sketch that out a bit? I think I've always kind of like, well, with the Doom thing, it's like I've kind of always uh, like associated myself with the underdog kind of thing, and like. And then, and there's just like that aspect of it, or just like feeling ignored or like passed over until like later on, and then everyone's like, "Oh shit, this is tight," and it's like, "Yeah, I've been mm-hmm. here the whole time." Like, like when you were straight ignoring me, so like shit like that. And then with the Morris Day aspect of it, it's kind of just like taking like that, like that, like that part of what I felt about like associating myself with the dooms character, but like being more lighthearted with it because like in, I feel like in house and techno, everyone's really serious 
for like the wrong reasons. For sure. Yeah. And like, so like the fact of like, like adding some humor into it, like even like, I guess like, like I just made a mix CD that I just like burnt, like I just made it shitty. Like I burned it on my computer and like folded paper into like a cover and shit like that. And I was just like, just like wrote like shit on the back and it was like, you know, like stop fucking with lame shit. Like, <laughs> you know, is, like is this like your that. mix for June? Did you keep up with the mix yeah. month? Yeah, no, so, technically that was my May one. Your May I one? finished it May 31st. Yeah, so I've like, been following all of your right mix a month. Right in there. <laughs> what was the May I missed the May one because I've been super busy. The May one is this mix CD. Okay, okay. June, ha- June has not has happened. Been, yeah. Okay. That's what's happened. I love Taj this has project. had this sort of program of doing a mix. A mix a month for this whole year, or at least releasing a mix a month this whole year. I've done pretty good so it's far. Super ambitious and awesome. Yeah. So what, I mean, I mean I'm almost halfway them. through. So, so what do you want to like? I mean, with the mixes, like, is this kind of something where you want to be like, I want to. I mean, because some people would do that and be kind of like, yeah, I want to just be like playing contemporary music and keeping it, you know, super modern. Um, you know, I. I mean, when what I. Do you, I mean, what do you want to be doing? With when it? I started it, the whole idea was just to do something because I'm still still haven't released any music of my own and like I'm slowly getting to the point where I feel okay with that and I've been working with people more so that's good too but it was just a thing where I wanted to you know do something it's a good way to be creative and I think whenever you listen to yeah uh, whenever you listen to more music I feel like it just makes whatever music you make yourself better personally of course yeah and i get i guess i planned it out thinking i was going to do like a whole bunch of different things and it's kind of changed over because i started when i had the idea and i started it i was just doing it and i was like well whoever if i can talk to someone and have them like do it as a podcast like we'll do that if not i'll just put it on my own anytime you set about to do any kind of um music releasing whether it's a mix or or an album or anything it's always like that that process alone i feel like always changes how the outcome is you know like that how it turns out is always so different like i feel like that's one of the most exciting things about actually like setting out to do it is that like you're like i'm going to do this yeah and then what it actually becomes is always this I guess just for me, like it's always this other entity, and like that's like like the exciting part of it is like what it becomes once yeah. you set out to do it, and like that's I for to me like just viewing from outside like what you're doing with your mix a month project um, seems like it's like that, like it's it's open ended and creative yet very focused. Yeah, I mean it's had to it's had to change because. I started it. I was just like, okay, what do I do? And I just did the first one. And then after that, that's like resident advisor hit me up. They're like, hey, you want to do a mix? I was like, okay, well, that changes all my plans for like <laughs> casually doing this. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, okay. And then like they asked me. So then it, all of a sudden it was like, okay, I can't do anything. Like I try, I was trying to like stick to my original schedule and it was just like just on my mind. So I was like, I have to get this done. And I was like, yeah, if I get this to you, when can it come out? Like February, and I was like, okay, well, that's number two then. And then, like, so, and then, like, 
I think after that is when I put out an ambient mix because I wanted to. I didn't want it all to be. Dan- you want to break it up a little bit? Yeah, because like the first one was dance music, and I didn't want the second one to be dance music. But when Ari asked me for the mix, and they're like, "You can do whatever you want," I'm like, "Yeah, I can do whatever I want, but I I need a calling card to get paid, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do a dance mix for you." So it was like, so that, that there was that, and then what was fourth? Fourth was I think it was a live recording of me at Motor City Wine in Detroit, and then the other fifth one was this mix CD from May, right? That's right. How do I get a mix CD? Um, I'll send you. I'll send you one. I have Thank some you. more in Detroit because I got rid of all the ones that I brought with me. Cool. I think I was supposed. I'm made around fifty or so. So, I mean, I could make more. It's. I just had this seat, this blank CD pack that I've had for maybe ten years. Just like, like, and it was not the CDs that eat themselves or whatever. It's. It's interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah. the. It's interesting that you're exploring both like multi-genre but also multi-platform with this project oh yeah that was definitely from the beginning i was like i think and i think i'm i think i just planned out i think the final thing is going to be a cassette and a zine together nice so yeah justin long just did that zine with like obey clothing or whatever and i like just ordered that in a cassette and i was like kind of inspired me i was like huh this is a good idea that's awesome so yeah i mean i think everything else in between this cd that just came out and the cassette is going to be all be podcasts and like luckily i like i know enough people or like enough people are interested that it's all set up so yeah just got to get them done now but i've been pretty good about that so i mean i guess may was the closest call just because of like movement and we threw a party and i just got crazy busy but besides that it's been cool cool Donald Fagan? We talking Fagan? <laughs> I'm really excited about this one. Well, yeah, let's move from like, I don't know, early 80s funk to early 80s white guy funk. Bard College jazz. The premiere in white jazz fusion. Right, Donald Fagan. Yeah, I know the name, but I'm not actually familiar. Steely Dan. Okay, word. <laughs> I fucks with Steely Dan. Donald Fagan is the superstar of Steely Dan, and he's really entertaining and hilarious, and I really want to meet him. It's a it's a it's a hyper commercial version. Um, it's like a condensed version of the 
um, I don't know how to say the word, oeuvre. Yeah. Of Steely, Steely Dan's work. For sure. Like all yeah. their work sort of, you know, funneled through Donald Fagan's, like, um, pinpointed vision, you know? Yeah. So it's like taking all the experience he had from the great commercial success of all of those, like, psycho albums that he helped co-produce, um, like Asia and Gaucho and all that stuff, um, and then sort of learning from that and probably cycling through his contact, his, like, L.A. musician, session musician contacts and just kind of running with it, you know, yeah. and continuing his, you know, like, what else do I want to make... Um, social commentary about, you know, yeah. and like expanding that loungy LA sort of cocaine atmosphere. And I think the sort of social commentary on this track is really the best. Um, you know, it kind of, but it's all couched in an LA. It's very specifically LA cocaine. Like, you're not gonna. Atmosphere. You're not atmosphere. gonna get rid of that with Steely it's, Dan. You know that's always couched, gonna be there. You it's couch. It's just like it's just like that's the home where it lives. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but yeah. but what that home, the the or parts New York, that make you know? up. Well, they specifically talk about this in that documentary that I sent you. The making of Asia thing. The making of Asia yeah. is that that they wouldn't have made Asia had they not moved to LA. Right. To specifically work with. Um, session musicians and recording studios that were housed in LA. Mm -hmm. All of their training, all of their um, lyrical ability and their depth is all New York based. They're like li literary guys. They're like yeah, nerdy, yeah. nerdy bard college guys who through the whole lens of the 70s get sort of um, put through this... <sighs> I don't want to say vacuum because I don't know if that's the right word to describe the sort of like process of going from this rock, very flat sound yeah. into going into such a lush territory where they were able to sort of direct and um, layer not only like the sonic part of the whole project, but also like the lyrical. Um, yeah. And the and through the lyrical stuff is as where they get to like the social commentary and it just makes it so sarcastic and um, innovative. I think like I don't know like I I don't know I'm a Steely Dan fan so um, and Steely Dan itself as a project isn't even like a band that you can identify. It's like it's an album by album project led by two guys who had always a fluctuating team yeah you know so it it's really i don't know it's just like endlessly interesting and inspiring to me yeah i don't know well yeah so like the studio band something that can't exist really in any capacity now yeah it's just so 70s you know what i mean yeah, it's yeah, so for sure. like of its time and when you watch that documentary and you see all of the individual musicians that they brought in to play a bass line or a drum part or guitar 
anything like that were background vocals. You're just like, that's so much care and it's so much, not to mention the engineers, you know, and anything else of that goes into the recording process. It makes the whole listening to their albums and listening to their songs um, outside of the whole like grocery store shopping background music kind of thing that they often fall into. I don't know. It's very different from the sort of uh, expectation these days in electronic music where it's like you do everything yourself. And if, you know, like if anyone helps you, that's a compromise. Right, right. Totally that authenticity is it hinges entirely on, on you having uh, like controlled every part of the music making process from yeah, conceptualization exactly. to mixing to... to not just controlled, because <clears throat> certainly like Fagan and Becker like controlled very extensively the the recording of Asia and every single facet. However, like they had other people help them help them with it. Um, whereas I feel like these days it's kind of like, oh, okay, well if you have anyone help you with any part of the music right. process, then you, you're a poser, you're a fake. Yeah, yeah. I wish more people would just be not like afraid to work together and sort of like crap. I really want to like just craft something. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just, I just kind of don't have the time to do that shit, but like also just like, I just can imagine like what my friends and I, or like people, my acquaintances and I could like actually make if we devoted time to it or had time to do it or lived, you know, in the same place or whatever. For mm-hmm. sure. Um, yeah, I still believe in songwriting, and I still look to things uh, for inspiration. I don't know. I think Edgy Y is a great track for that, especially just because it touches on the sort of uh, American optimism it's a very sarcastic view of that. Um, you know, a very, it, it, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, it's kind of like a track like Born in the USA where uh, you can have a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of love the song on a very surface level uh, as a sort of, um, yeah, like, USA, but actually, you know, when you pay attention to it, it's actually very, you know, cutting and very critical of um, America, of uh, America's place in the world. Um, Yeah, for the longest time, I didn't know, like, what even he was, like, singing about, but I knew that it was sarcastic just because the chorus, he says, uh, what a... What a beautiful world this would be. It sounds like a Sega Genesis game. Yeah. It's super sitcom to me. Yeah. Yeah, the synth lines are it's supposed very to be like very it's Yeah. Like city. It's it sounds like the Family Matters theme. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. It does. I honestly think the Family Matters Family Matters theme is like in part based on this. To me it's very like Heaven 17 style, you know? It's very I don't even talk to her. <laughs> 
I mean, this podcast was initially supposed. I don't think I like Heaven Seventeen. Oh, Oh, you have to listen to Heaven Seventeen properly. You don't think you like Heaven Seventeen? I think Taj has listened to Heaven Seventeen. I have, and I don't think I like it. But why? From uh, I don't know. I feel. I mean, I mean, maybe even just taking maybe I just haven't heard the right song. Yeah, you don't need to love Heaven Seventeen. I feel like I would like try and put on when I would like see it as a thing, and I'd be like, oh, this is people like this, and then I put it on, I'd be like, "Mm, I just want to look. Can we listen to Temptation? Temptation is one of the best songs. It's one of just the best songs. I've never been close. All right, Katie's song is. I've tried, but I want to. I mean, Temptation is a sick song, but it like it it, it doesn't. Penthouse and Pavement is. It doesn't have the political statement that. Yeah, yeah. I still think it does. I think it has a. I think the political statement is a little. I think regarding Temptation, I think the political statement is a little more diffuse. It's a little more abstract. Something like Penthouse and Pavement is just, you know. It's very, very forward. Yeah. <clears throat> I think temptation more is more abstractly about like the impossibility of fulfilling desire under capitalism rather than a, just a kind of direct pointed critique of. It's not fascist groove thing. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> For me, Heaven 17 really took like the new wave thing, but added a very explicit political dimension to it. Um, so, you know, when Heaven 17, you know, in 1980 is very clearly calling Thatcher and Reagan fascists, to me, that's like sick. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm really into that. To me, when they're like, when they have a song uh, like Crushed by the Wheels of Industry, where they're talking about, um, you know, working class issues and... I think it's like part of an era of a culture in the UK that we are not familiar with because it's not like something that we know about or have access to or grew up with. For sure. So it's like something that's like slightly out of our realm, but we're somehow tangentially in touch with via pop culture, which, you know, the song... I mean, like literally, I've I heard it like on the Train Spotting soundtrack, so like that tells you like how late in the game this came into like my consciousness as a child of the '80s. Um, if that makes any sense, I feel like it has like a it has a broader context maybe in the UK, like like the place of this kind of music, and I don't know, like yeah, I don't know. Maybe Sean has something to say. <laughs> I think it's also just, you know, like in the 80s, especially like this kind of uh, UK pop music really loses any political edge except for Heaven 17. Oh, no, no, I I completely disagree. I think I think I think British music uh, of this era is very by and large like 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 focused on class. And I think I think the lineage of British music. British popular music. You is, definitely know more than I do. So has yeah. British popular music has long, um, it, it, continuing through the '90s and 2000s, like a much more f- class-forward focus than American music. Um, British music's, uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're 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 just much more class-focused. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I, I, I had kind of imagined that Heaven 17 was the exception, but... No, I mean, well, I mean, Human League, like, from which Heaven 17 sprang were already, yeah. like, like super class-focused from day one. Okay. Um, like, you know, their, 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 their early records are, are, like, like, I mean, I think generally more, more politically radical than... I, We just need another microphone. I, think I mean, we, we, need we just need our Patreon subscribers. You do need to, another microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yes, like, 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 uh, like the early Human League albums are, are are fairly politically radical, and yes, like, like even Dare is is uh, is very politically charged. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, as I was going to say, even <laughs> we do need another microphone. See? I don't think I know enough about British music. Neither do I. So. Honestly, it's like, what do we what do we think about American music? I mean, has it ever been political? Political? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. But uh, yeah, like like uh, I mean, obviously, like there have been moments when American popular music is extremely political. Um, I well, I mean it. American music is it always political as much as that any any popular it goes any, any popular medium, any popular aesthetic medium is is going to in, inherently have political ramifications, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, like like American popular music has been aggressively leftist at various points. I mean, Woody Guthrie, obviously, um, uh, all through you know like sixties sixties uh, folk music. Obviously, like blues was very political. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, jazz was super political. I mean, you know, like like American musics have been very political. Um, I think uh, until it gets really popular, then it loses all form of its pop. Well, I mean, and, and plenty of jazz was quite reactionary at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, well, yeah, by like the what seventies and eighties. But I mean, you, I mean, you could you could make the argument that someone like I mean, Kanye West, uh, pre his weird alt right turn, was still like a, like a political figure making political music. Yeah, and then, um, but I think that goes into once you get too popular and too mainstream, it like kind of loses. But it depends on the era which we're talking about, maybe, or does it not? The context definitely matters. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah, the, I feel like the context of what height of popularity and what exposure it has also. Informs the way that the, the whatever the message is is being broadcast, and therefore it's political in a totally different sense. I think there was a very interesting period in pop music in which, like, the first like larger chunk of Obama's term was expressly not political. Like, music was very vapid. And near the end, it sort of took on this more political turn. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that music was very kind of like... I didn't know anything about whatever music was being. It just seemed to me that, like, music was very kind of like, I don't know, like Lady Gaga or whatever. It was very kind of like... I just think, kind I of think, surface level. I think, yeah. yeah. And I then think you're like, right but, that, that... But it was like after a certain point and especially when things started like popping off in like Ferguson and things where like politics... Post-occupied, like, basically. Yeah. 
post occupy post like post like Mike Brown post all this stuff like where things started to take better, a yeah. turn where people were like no things actually aren't okay and I think that some aspects of popular music were kind of starting to reflect that whereas before they were kind of like no 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 but like things they they tried to pretend that things were like I do think you're right totally that like fine. yeah like 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 well like Obama came in on a very optimistic wave and that I think represented a sort of second end of history for a lot of people, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was just sort of like we've solved racism now that we have a black president so there's nothing to struggle against. Right. Um, I, th- I, th- I think you're right that that was a kind of like fairly large sweeping kind of sentiment. Um, I mean, that's when like Molly became popular. If you think about <laughs> it. Seriously, think about it. Yeah, right? Yeah, Hope and yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hope and change. Papa Molly. <laughs> Let's go. Start sweating. Yeah, and then change all these, you can believe in. And then, <laughs> then Gen Mollies. Z, Gen Z started growing up and started popping Zans, and everything went to shit. Yeah, that's the only way you can keep functioning. <laughs> ca- ca- caffeine, alcohol, and meat were the early engines of uh, capitalist uh, reproduction, but now Xanax really is. So. <laughs> Xanax and opioids. Yeah, kids just need to do more psychedelics and call it a day. <laughs> it's true. Well, they are now. <laughs> kind of. A little bit. Kind of. Not enough. Seems to me that pop music is a little. I mean, it's like what you hear on the radio is it's slightly like more psychedelic. Faux psychedelic. It's not yeah. like real. It's yeah, like, uh-huh, for sure. Like, look, I wear tie. Like, I wear colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, are we talking about like Tame Impala psychedelic? No, or are we talking about? I don't know what even is psychedelic now. Just like I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm talking drugs. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about like Hot ninety seven psychedelic, which is not necessarily psychedelic, but you know, it's you know, like a turn uh, towards I don't know something a little more. Well, I think it's more that like right now it's like cool to be weird again, and right. like oh, yeah. people are doing like being like weird for the sake of being weird, and like not actually like experiencing or like changing anything. Just like, ooh, look, I wear, I wear other genders' clothing, and like I occasionally put Molly in my mouth. Right. It's like, oh wow, that's really cool, yo. That's like <laughs> kind of been a like thing for. T- since since I was in my early twenties and like I remember like but for the general masses though like for like true. regular ass people like it's it's different not. from like other like quote unquote underground things and like subcultures and things but I'm talking about just the general populace right now it's like cool to be weird for the sake of like not because you actually feel different or anything but just it's like being weird to fit in kind of thing which is so why don't we examine like, why that is and what what's the because people what, are sheep bah yeah but <laughs> that's it why because they're dumb cause it's they're not uneducated. people though because no yeah it, it is people it's the no it's people it's people it's human it's we are interacting with tech platforms that make things that, yeah people made those yeah i know that's like but they don't necessarily know the result that it's going to produce. And I think that the they result... They have a good idea at this point. I feel like At this point, yes. But uh, I don't think that like people 
like um, the Instagram founder or the Twitter founder or all these like dudes, like they don't know what they're creating when they create it, you know, like what it becomes. Yeah, but. And I think that it's, it's more than ever all of that. What comes from that is defining like culture every day, Mm. like more and more. And it's becomes a more layered like beast, you know, I don't know. I'm losing track, but um, I, I just, I, I want to always question blaming people, like people's, like, like blaming people's will, because like, if we're talking about fucking tech platforms and it's advertising, it's just the same old advertising marketing strategy. That's like the same old shit that we've had for however many years and like yeah. it's the same thing it's just done in a new form you but know how I mean? is that not people um because if it's been because people have been around since people have been around so i think katie's point is that like the, the, these things are socially constructed um i mean how far are you going to go to i mean you're saying the, this is people's fault uh I'm losing my my point. I, my point is that people aren't actually like like challenging society or like trying to like change themselves or anything. But that, but a lot of the aesthetic that has gone that comes from that has been co opted by mainstream society, and people so they, are like taking drug, like like you got to think about like what people were originally like trying to do when they were taking like psychedelics and like and like just when drug culture was like really becoming a thing as a and like now it's just like how high can you get until like you pass out or some shit and it's like getting fucked up for fucked up sake as opposed to like trying to experience something new and like i think that's a and it's just yeah i guess you know i mean internet and media plays a part into that but i think it's just people are like whatever the norm is at the time, people want to be accepted. People want to be, everyone wants to be down. Everyone wants to be part. Everyone wants to feel accepted. So they just start doing stuff even though they don't actually like it or like. Are you critiquing the fact that like, like certain aspects of counterculture have now been commodified? No, I mean, that's always happened, but it's, I guess it's, I feel like it's more of a problem specifically with like my generation and the generation under it. Cause like, I don't, I don't think people are like thinking. I feel like people are like acting and like there's a lot of good intentions and ideas, but no one's really thinking things through. I think my read of it is that like people are uh, comfortable and bored. Yeah, You know, people, like, have just enough to not, like... Revolt in the streets? Yeah, like, they have enough where, like, it sucks, but they aren't necessarily actively, like, starving. So it's, like, enough removed from that end of the spectrum. But um, they also can't actually... I don't know, pursue anything more interesting. So it's kind of like this limbo where there's no work, 
there's no. This, know, this is this is where capital learned to keep us post you know sixty eight. So yeah, it's just kind of like you're you grow up in this situation where it's kind of like okay, well you know I yeah I mean things are kind of boring, but they're not so bad that this we're, needs to be like a we're, dire we're situation. nominally entertained and we're we're yeah we're not starving so yeah so it's just kind of we're barely materially uh sustained yeah um and that keeps people in a very i don't know placid state i don't know where they don't necessarily want to i don't know challenge anything yeah. but yeah i i don't i don't i don't think it's particularly a generational problem i think that's like a you know I think it's worse with my generation. The reason I say it's worse is because at no point in human history have people been able to have access to information, but they choose not to. And it, like, that really bothers me. And I guess it's on some personal level because I've always, like, from the beginning, like, I've always, like, really been about, like, just understanding stuff and, like, trying to read and and take as much as possible. Like, I remember, like, early internet, like, people, like, family members would be like, what are you doing on the internet? I'd be like, reading? They're like, you're reading? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what else you're supposed to be doing, right. but sure. And it's just an unwillingness to learn. And it's, and it's just, and it's at your, the thing is, is, like, it's at your fingertips, though. You could learn. You just, like, it's so much different than bef- than even, like, 50 years ago like for our parents and our grandparents and shit cuz like it was harder to learn like it was just harder to do it I think and there were more obstacles in the way now it's really about it really comes down to your choice at the end of the I think, day I think it depends on what kind of learning you're talking about but yeah like we but do I think have you're more, definitely, more access to knowledge by and large yes I think you definitely touch on something where there is this kind of thing where shooting from the hip is a little more tolerated mm-hmm. generally, especially when sort of taking into account the ease at which your, like, your, I don't know, statement or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. uh, can be checked, you know? you Where it's just kind of like, I feel like we're more comfortable with people just kind of like blurting something out there without having done the research yeah. whereas like the research okay is way more saying easy shit. I think people were always okay just saying shit it was a lot harder to fact check people back in the day too so yeah um, you know I think, I think calculated misinformation is is you know like kind of deliberate deliberately disseminating misinformation is not a new thing no not at all uh, no I mean that's as old as time but once again like if it's not that hard to look and to find out you're being tricked, like it's really like it's really not hard. It's just and like yeah, like situations and like. But who has where, the time to fact check everything? I mean, like it, like it, it's well, it's not everything, like, but there's like some things that you can fact check, and it's like people just don't care. People are like, just I'm stupid. Sorry, but yo. if it's 2019 and you're thinking that the United States is engaged in Venezuela for anything other than... Or motherfuckers arguing that the earth is flat. Like, <laughs> yo, like, I'm sorry, yo. Like, it's like, we don't need, like... 
this that's that's like willful ignorance right, at this Taj, point. Taj, have you ever been on an airplane? Yes. Okay, so you've seen the flat Earth from space. <laughs> <laughs> you know how flat this world. I don't know if you. I don't know if you knew, but you came on a flat Earth podcast. Okay, so <laughs> we're gonna. You're in the hot seat right now. Um, <laughs> Just one simple rule I'm just cool 